0: Hi everyone, my name's Alex Merton-McCann and welcome to the Grown Up Girls Report podcast. Now, you may have missed it, but it's actually been Women's Health Week. And I'm going to be honest, I nearly did. And we could have very easily moved on to the next week or the next topic, but I thought, no, if there's ever a week that we need to workshop and do a bit of a deep dive on, it is Women's Health Week. I'm really keen to make sure that we all know what we need to be doing so that we can be proactive with our health and get involved in some good preventative strategies. And I've got such a great expert to talk to us about that today. And she's a new guest on the program. She hasn't actually been on the Grown Up Girls report before, but we will be chatting to Dr. Annette Skarczewski, who is a GP that practices here in Sydney on, uh, on the North Shore. And Annette lives and breathes women's health. She's a pillar of knowledge, I think. She's just a really great go-to person. I know she's my go-to person when I ever have a question. So look, during the episode, we're going to be talking about lots of different things. And um, you may think, oh my goodness, I missed that. I missed that. Do not worry, because there will be some detailed show notes that will be available to you that will have all the different recommendations that Annette shares with us during this chat, because I've got to tell you, after my chat with Annette, I actually had a list quite long of uh, things I'll be talking to my GP about on my next visit. Anyway, I hope you find this episode really useful. I know I certainly did. I think we need to explain our connection, Annette, so that people actually, you know, before we get into the serious stuff, understand, you know, Mm. we're kindred spirits because we do a little bit of dance together, don't we, my friend? And have been doing so for... Gosh, nearly 10 years adult dancing on a Friday morning.
1: Yes, yes. And um, it's been a lot of fun for me. Um, And it's a great group of ladies and I love all of them. And Alex is um, definitely one of my favourites. So we've had a lot of fun dancing together. A lot of fun. It's just it's a highlight of my week. So
0: Annette and I are kindred dance spirits, which is uh, very, very important. But the other thing that Annette and I really struck me when I first met Annette is that we had this connection. We both had like a really genuine interest in health. Um, You know, I having had four kids and series of issues and Annette just being, you know, this natural oracle, we always just gravitate towards talking health. So when I thought about having an expert on the podcast, well, of course it had to be Annette. So Annette, it's Women's Health Week. So I thought, let's nut that out a little bit and break it down because I think sometimes we all get a bit overwhelmed. We're all so busy. A lot of us are in that part of our lives where we're juggling kids and aging parents and work. And we often put ourselves last on the list. You know, we worry about everyone else. And then if we've got a little bit of time, well, then we worry about ourselves, which we don't often get to. So from your point of view, What do you think are the biggest health challenges facing women, just generally for now, you know, women, adult women?
1: I think what's important is for adult women is actually getting to the GP is probably one of their hardest things because they're normally bringing in a child or they're coming with their husband or their mother or something, and actually to come for themselves is not um, that easy for them. And so I think having a good GP that has an interest in preventative health is useful for those women because they will grab that woman and say, hang on, have you had this checked? When You know, what? when is your pap me due and that kind of thing? And then they'll make them come back on their own
0: yes. and
1: hopefully go through with them what's been checked, what hasn't, and um, kind of really encourage them to make time for their own health, which they don't do. And yeah, they need someone to push them. Yes, which is me. I'm I'm going to push them. Yeah, good
0: because that relationship <laughs> is everything, isn't it? It's everything that relationship.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah.
0: I know a lot of friends who don't have that relationship, and if they, you know, need to see someone, they'll pop up to the medical centre and you know get get a better get a script, or they'll they'll just see a you know a random excuse my expression for one of a better word. But then, as you say, there's no one there acting almost, I suppose, as a health coach or a bit of a health a health manager um, if you don't have that you know relationship. So, yep, I think that's that's huge, isn't it? That's huge. It is. It is. You don't
1: want to just be putting out the spot fires. You actually want to have a a plan with your GP of when things are supposed to happen and how often they're supposed to happen. And if you've got a good GP, they will remember that whenever you come in to check, are you up to date and remind you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's talk about some of these checks that, you know, we should be factoring in when we think about planning our month or our six-month period. So what would you suggest are things we need to absolutely put on our list and make sure we talk to our GP about
1: Okay, so um, all women over 25 need to have the new pap smear test, which is called the cervical screening test or the CST, every five years if it's normal. If it's not normal, it will be more frequent. So that's sort of replaced the old pap smear that we actually started at 18. Yeah. Now they only start at 25. So that's. Why is that? It's because they're testing the HPV virus. Um, instead of actually the cells so they're only looking for the virus because that's a precursor for abnormal cells okay Um, and they don't think they have to test for it as often because if you haven't got the virus you know that you have to actually get the virus first before the cells change and they think they've got enough time to pick up on those changes so that's why they're doing it Okay, and often before 25, you often get a lot of abnormalities that never amount to anything. Right. So they're trying to cut that out by doing okay. it that way.
0: So obviously 25 is when we kick off the whole pap smear thing, but when do we wind it up? Would it be around that time of menopause that we have our last
1: pap smear? Okay, so usually um the government recommends you stop at 74, okay? Wow. Um, and some women do find it increasingly difficult due to the changes in menopause to have their smears, especially if they're not sexually active. Mm. Um, It can be a problem. Some women will sort of say, I I don't want any more after a certain age, and that's their choice as long as Mm -hmm. you outline what they're doing, and if they've always had normal smears before that, that's less of a risk, but actually it is still important to keep it going to 75. There is a second peak in cervical cancer, In the later years which seems kind of sort of opposite of what we expect but it does happen so right if you can keep going to 74 it's good if you're finding it difficult you might have to have some vaginal estrogen for a couple of weeks before the smear to make it more comfortable
0: Right. Okay. Okay. Excellent. I'm embarrassed to tell you that I wasn't up to date on that. So thank you so much for that. Okay. So we've got that that out of the way, the pat smears. Yep. What else
1: should we yep. be doing? Um so I like to start people on mammograms from 40. Um yep. and I also like them to have an ultrasound as well. So yes. um the government will pay for two yearly mammograms from 40. They won't offer it to you till you're 50 but they will do it from 40 if you inquire. And that is a free mammogram every two years. Um, But I like women who can afford to pay for an ultrasound to go and have their mammogram and ultrasound at a radiology place Mm -hmm. um, because ultrasound is another modality which gives additional information to the mammogram. Uh, And I find if you put the two together, that's going to be more helpful. And that's every two years as well. Some women have it yearly if they've got um, uh, certain issues with their breasts, if they're incredibly dense, and they'll be advised of that usually. Um, But otherwise, it's every two years.
0: Every two years. Okay. Can I get a rough idea of of, of how much that is? I'm I'm going to be honest and say I do that. I get the ultrasound with with the mammogram. And sometimes I get a bit of a shock. And how yeah, much you- it's
1: not not cheap. You know,
0: there's that wonderful safety net thing that Medicare offer you. So once yes, you actually get to yes. your safety net, it's a good time to do it then.
1: Yes, if you do get there, you should definitely start doing loads of expensive investigations that you may have been putting off. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And lo- lots of specialist visits and extra visits to the GP that you may have been not having at that time. Now, I don't know the price. No that's fine job but I often walk away feeling like it's
0: quite expensive like it's 2 or 300 dollars out of pocket.
1: Yeah, it will be. The reason the ultrasound is expensive is because anyone who anyone who's had it done knows it takes a long time. The sonographer's there for ages looking at every little tiny bit of your breast yeah. and that's just labor cost, you know, and it's not cheap. So but it does it is a very thorough investigation. So if you can uh, afford to do it, you you should, I think. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And again, you like to start that from 40. When should you wind up at the other end? Should you just, is that something we should always do even when we hit the, the big 7-0? Is it, is it best practice?
1: The government will advise to do it till 74, the same as the smear test or the cervical screening test. Um, some of my patients want to keep going because their mother had it or yeah. they feel like they're not that old and they still don't you know, they, they want to keep doing it. And I think the government will actually still give them a free mammogram if they request it, but they will not be reminded after 74 to have that mammogram.
0: Okay. That's really interesting. Okay. So there's that now,
1: what about, is there any merit
0: to going to get, you know, just your bloods done on a regular basis as, as, as a bit of a screening for what maybe is sort of lingering below the surface.
1: Do you do that with your patients? Yes, 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 you should. And, you know, Even from a reasonably young age, it's good to have a blood pressure check, have a cholesterol test, fasting, have a fasting glucose test, um, and just a general overview, um, because you can actually start having issues with those things in your 20s. And that can be a way of knowing that you need to actually do that in a more regular way over the years, because it can get worse. Yeah. Um, If everything's normal in your 20s and you're fine, then you obviously don't need to go every year and do that at all. But as you get to your 30s, you might want to do it, you know, every few years maybe. And then in your 40s, you need to start doing it more regularly because things start changing Mm. due to the hormonal changes. Cholesterol can start going up. Um, Your glucose, you may become more at risk of diabetes. Um, And there's lots of other things we need to know about vitamin D for your bones. Um, iron levels for women, a lot of women have very heavy periods in their 40s yep. and they don't even realise that they're iron deficient. So all of those things can be picked up on a blood test and a lot of them you would not know you had unless you'd had the
0: blood test yeah okay okay so as okay. we're in the
1: four as we're in our
0: four I mean you, you and I well actually you're significantly older than me I think you're four months older than me but we are in the thick <laughs> we're in the thick of you you're the big five zero, and I, I am I am minutes away um but I know that I know that in the last four or five years I've probably been to my GP more in the last four or five years than I have you know in previous years because you know my body is changing and there's there's sometimes it you know I can't explain what's going on and I know my at the end of the day my hormones are at play here so that's you know obviously let's let's talk a little bit about you know the change as my mother would call it the change which is a hilarious concept the big m um what sort of things should we you know start, start to look for or worry about or will these will all regular screening alert us to you know what could be problematic
1: so um, from your 40s onwards you um you definitely want to have more regular blood pressure checks so whenever you go to your GP, ask them to check your blood pressure. Okay. If you've got a good GP, they'll usually do it. But if they're, you know, being a bit distracted by another problem you have, you may have to just gently remind them, can you please check my blood pressure? Um, so that's important to keep an eye on. It can start going up. Um, and as I said, the fasting cholesterol, fasting glucose, your thyroid levels can change. Yeah. Um, your blood count, your kidneys and liver Liver test is good because it can pick up if you're drinking too much alcohol, it can yes. pick up if you're putting on too much weight, Hello. it can a liver test and it's a good way of the GP to say, hey, you know, your liver doesn't like how much you're drinking. So um, that's helpful. Yep. Um, the other thing I didn't mention before about screening, which I think is really important, is once you're over 40, it's really good to do an annual fecal occult blood test which is a bowel cancer screen now not necessarily that many people will be as aware of that the government will send you a packet in four months Alex okay your first excellent from 50 you get um the fecal occult blood test sent to you by the government and they will send it every two years that's about cancer screening i like to start my people from 40 oh do you and i like them to Yes, and I like them to do it annually through a private company. It doesn't cost that much. Um, most GPs will be able to give you one of the packs and you pay this pathology company, but they'll send you a new pack every year and the result to your GP. Um, because bowel cancer is more, um, kills more women than breast. It's extremely common. It's extremely treatable if caught early. So we we might forget about bowel cancer. Wow. Um, But we should not, and that's a really good thing to do.
0: I had no idea, Annette, that it was such a big issue for women, bowel cancer. I really just thought it was lower on the list. Gosh, my friend, thank you for, you know, drawing our attention to that. So, And I'm assuming, I know I'm probably stating the bleeding obvious that that bowel cancer test is a a little sample in a jar?
1: Yeah, it's a little, um, you you have to um, brush your stool in the toilet and put it on a little piece of cardboard and then put it in the post. And some people do find that a little off-putting, mm. but I encourage them to... To push through. get on with it. You know? Do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. And is there any other screening tests we should add to our list? In terms of screening, yes. Well, that's I usually start the next one at 50, which is the bone density. Right. I like to do bone density test at 50 the government doesn't pay for any until you're 70 I think right but I like to do it around menopause because when you are around that age you're losing estrogen and when you're losing estrogen you're potentially you're going to be losing some bone mass right so I like to see where my patients are starting from now I like to see their sort of starting point before they lose too much in case they're already pretty low in which case they need to watched and we need to try and prevent any further loss okay so that costs I think about 120 dollars, and you don't get anything back but if you can afford it it's good to do and if it's normal you don't need to do another one for five years good if it's a bit low we like to do it every two years so we can catch people before they if they're on a downward trajectory and see if they need treatment
0: yeah right okay absolutely so one thing I, I don't know why I have always been concerned about is the prevention of an ovarian cancer because ovarian cancer to mm-hmm. me seems like the sort of cancer that's quite hard to diagnose how do you as, as a GP manage your patients through that
1: so ovarian cancer is difficult we do not have a screening test there is no screening test so patients will come and go oh I want my ovarian cancer there is no ovarian cancer screening test What I say to women is have a reasonably low threshold for any new pelvic discomfort, new bloating in the lower part of the abdomen, any symptoms in your pelvic area or your lower abdomen that don't seem right, come and tell me and we'll do an ultrasound. The best one to do is a transvaginal ultrasound and that gives us the best view of the ovaries and the uterus. And that's really all you can do. There is no um, screening ultrasound. There's no blood test, although people sort of think there is, there isn't. So it's really just if things don't feel normal in that area, going, ask your GP for an ultrasound to check your ovaries.
0: Okay. And in terms of, you know, being a little bit you know negative for a moment, in terms of the biggest risks to women in terms of the, the group of cancers, where does that fit in between say bowel and breast cancer? Is it, you know, as as dangerous for us as breast?
1: Well, I actually tried to find the, the top reasons for deaths in women between 40 and 60. I couldn't find it in Australia, but I did find the top reasons for death listed for women in all age groups overall. Oh, yeah, interesting. Yeah, number one was dementia. Really? Yeah, and I think that goes to the fact that women do live quite long and a lot of them, that is what they're dying from because they're dying, you know, mm. in their 90s or their 80s and that's when they're getting it. So that's common. That's the number one cause of okay. death in human okay. at the in, in, Australia. in Australia. Sorry, in Australia. Um, the second most common cause is cardiac disease, heart disease. Oh, that is why it's so important to know your cholesterol, your um, diabetes risk from your glucose, your blood pressure, your family history is really important in that case um obviously smoking but i'm hoping you know that's less of an issue for most women um hope i'm hoping most of the money that's not even an issue at the moment but if it, if people are smoking now yeah just can it so girls can it That's just craziness we're not even gonna no, go there good. so yeah it's not even an option so right. then you've got third most common cause is stroke Okay. And that's very closely linked to blood pressure. That's why I'm so obsessed with blood pressure. You don't know you've got high blood pressure, a high blood pressure, unless your GP or somebody checks it. And can I ask you quickly, what, what, what do you consider to be a high blood
0: pressure? Like what's a breeding that would make you concerned?
1: Anything consistently over 140 systolic, 90 diastolic needs to be watched. Sure. Um, and if it's consistently over that, then you probably have an issue that needs to be addressed. Right. Um, whether it's by there's some lifestyle factors you can modify, or whether it's very genetic and, and you're doing everything right and it's still high, that can happen quite a lot too. Um, and it's treatable and we can treat it and we can hopefully prevent stroke by doing that. So that's yeah. that's super important. That's number three. Wow. Yeah. And number four is lung cancer. So that's a hangover from the smoking days. The smoking days. Yeah. Many blues. Yeah. So I'm hoping as time goes on, that one will go further down the list because mm, definitely mm. not as prevalent as it was. And the fifth one is emphysema, which is another smoking effect. So Gosh. this kind of shocked me, this list, in a way. I wasn't expecting that.
0: No, um, I wasn't
1: expecting it either. Gosh, all yep. the heart and
0: lung and yep. issues are right at the top that's of the it. list.
1: Hmm. Then further d- a little, there's a couple of other things. Then we've got bowel cancer. Wow, okay. Then breast cancer. And kind of way further down is ovarian. So ovarian is is not common. Okay. But that's why I would have liked to have the causes of death in women between 40 and 60 because that's when you're going to start seeing a lot more of those sorts of breast and ovarian and and bowel cancers as opposed to dementia. Yeah. Um, And I guess that's what is on our mind at the moment, what we're going to die of now, not when we're 90. Yes. So, yeah, ovarian, not common in the overall picture, but obviously if it happens at our age, it can be really devastating Mm -hmm. and really awful and and hard to treat. So it is, it is a big problem for Yeah, it's us, a big problem.
0: I am, but I, can I just say, I am so shocked that at the top of the, I suppose, the cancer list is bowel cancer. I am so shocked by that. I just would never, ever have considered that to be the biggest risk so, um, out of the cancer group. So, gosh, yeah. so interesting, my friend, yeah. so interesting. So people are listening to this, Annette, and they're thinking, okay, I need to take some action. I've, I've got to get my health under control. What would you suggest they do? What's the first thing they should do to get a bit sorted?
1: They should get a good GP that is into preventative health and they should go to the GP, say, what checks do I need, get checked for them, and then follow up with that GP with their results and ask, okay, where have where have I got issues? Um, and hopefully a lot of them can be dealt with through lifestyle, which needs a lot mm. of attention around the time of menopause and a lot of overhauls. It's a, it's a good time to take a lot of long-term action, long-term changes to your lifestyle are really important at menopause. And if you've got a GP like me, they'll just kind of be pretty blunt about it and just go, this is what you have to do. The party is over. Time to get serious. (laughs) I have to tell them the party over sometimes. Yeah, so someone who's going to tell you the truth and and then you kind of try and work out a plan with your GP of what things you can change or little changes you can start with. And then over time, monitor what that reaction to that change is. Is your blood pressure coming down? Are your liver function tests improving? And that helps motivate you to keep working on those changes. And it's a long-term plan that you work on together.
0: Yeah, Um, totally get it. Totally get it. Absolutely. Now, I know that you and I have spoken about doing an episode purely on menopause because menopause, look, I think we have multiple episodes on menopause. But is there something that you could leave our listeners with today it's 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 such a big change, isn't it?
1: It is, and it's interesting because some women sail through it and hardly notice it, and I find it fascinating because I can't pick out of my patients who I've been seeing for years. I wouldn't be able to pick which ones are going to sail through it and which aren't, and it's just really what happens happens. Um, certainly, um, a healthy lifestyle can help a lot, but it doesn't mean you're going to avoid some of the things that can go wrong at all. Um, It's often going to be some genetic reason or whatever that you're going to have that problem. So um, what you should be aware of, I guess, in your 40s is as time goes on, well, first of all, your periods can change. So any change in your periods, particularly if they become more heavy or more frequent, you definitely need to tell your GP because that needs to be checked and your iron levels need to be checked. That's before menopause. As you, um, around that time and as you get closer to 50 and and after, um, a lot of women will get symptoms and they won't always realise that it is menopause. So the ones that they should be aware could be menopause or probably are menopause-related are weight gain, especially around the abdomen. So a lot of women will come and go, oh, no, I've suddenly put on a load of weight around my belly. It's like, yeah, that's due to the hormonal changes of menopause. And can I just ask, can that ever be fixed? Please say the answer is yes. It can be helped by certain lifestyle changes, yes, which we can talk about if you want to. But, yeah, it can be helped, but it's it's a lot harder than it was. It's right. Not as, it's going to be harder. So okay. you're not allowed to beat yourself up about it. You just have to okay. realise some of the partying may be over. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> time for a new wardrobe. Get rid of the lycra. You no, 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 yeah. no, no. It can You can work with it, but okay. you might have to make some fairly big changes over time. So yeah. it can be done. So the, the weight gain. Now, the other thing, obviously people know hot flushes and menopause. Mm. Not everyone realise insomnia can be due to menopause. That was me. Especially if you're not having a hot flush or a, a um, night sweat with it, you might not realise that it's actually menopause, which it can be. Yeah often is yeah um the other one is aches and pains suddenly all your muscles are aching for no reason um, brain fog where you just suddenly can't think as clearly as you used to um, some people's libido will change some people will find sex uncomfortable or even painful um that's a more sort of i guess people are aware of that But one thing that I think is really important, and it's sort of like a little personal crusade of mine in a way, is that a lot of women will get their first episode of anxiety or depression at menopause um, because of the hormonal changes at that time. And most of them will not have a clue that it's related to that. Um, But I'm seeing it more and more. And I'm finding really good results with treating that with HRT or what we call MHT now, um, which is the old hormone replacement or, you know, your estrogen and progesterone, yeah, actually yeah. is it works really well for a lot of those women and is wow. actually kind of life-changing for them. Fantastic, fantastic. So if you do feel that your mood or your anxiety is not right and, and there's no real other event happening at that time, go and see your GP and say, look, could it be menopause? you think that's doing this to me yeah. Um, yeah so that that's quite helpful
0: yeah it's so interesting look we're going to do let's 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 Get our heads together after this and plan to do an episode on medical course because there's just, you know, it's been a whole world for me. I'm not not quite there yet, but God, it's been a big journey. And I know you're, you know, you're in the same age group, my friend. So living and breathing it. But thank you so much for all of your amazing intel today. You are an oracle of knowledge, and I feel like you've helped a lot of people get their, you know, their head right and they've got a bit of a plan. So being Women's Health Week, I think it was important that we cover this off. Now I know I will be getting a lot of messages and, and emails about where do we find Hi, and Dr. Annette, I want Dr. Annette in my life. Well, Dr. Annette does practice medicine uh, in Tarahumara in Sydney, but do not worry because she's going to be a regular part of our show. So you will be hearing more from her regularly. So thank you, my friend. You're a legend. Thanks, Alex. Well, there we go. There's definitely some homework there for me. I can tell you, um, I have a list of things which I will be following up with my GP on my next visit. Thanks to Annette's uh, very, very um, top recommendations now if you want to know some more that we will have all the all the details in the show notes so please check those out and as Annette said what is critical to keeping abreast of our health and ensuring that we are doing all we can to maintain and and prevent issues is getting a really good GP now I know I found my GP through word of mouth and I think to be honest that's a great place to start so if there is one thing you do for yourself please please promise me that you go out of your way to find yourself a GP that you really connect with someone you know you know you know when you meet someone there's a meeting of the minds and you're on the same page I want that sort of connection for you because that's what's going to really ensure that you are all over your health and doing everything you can to live your best life yes it's cliched but at the end of the day that's what we're all about Anyway, thank you so much for being part of the show and for listening to this episode. I hope everyone is doing okay. Yes, lockdown is still a big thing for so many of us in Australia, but there is a little bit of end in sight here in New South Wales. So hope is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Lots of love, everyone, and I will catch you next week.